What is up? We're back for another episode of Unboxing the Hobby brought to you by Loop. And I didn't mess up the intro that time. I messed it up once before. And we are here with Mr. Pancake himself, Tom from Pancake Analytics. Tom, how's it going, man? Going great. How are you guys doing? Good. Doing awesome. Doing awesome. Yeah. Where, are you, where are you calling in from, by the way? Uh, it's Tampa, Florida. Okay. That's what I thought. I thought you were based in Florida based on... Yeah. You guys can gotta, bucket me into those crazy Florida man collectors. Yeah. <laughs> we had a really good rep going. <laughs> I figured you were close to the closer to to Disney World based on our past conversations and stuff like that. I was like, I think he's closer to, to oh, the yeah. park. I'm just... at Disney almost every weekend. Yeah, so, uh, that's awesome. <laughs> Does Disney have collectibles now? Like, is that something that are they selling I mean, different? That's not even a question. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like, I mean, like on site at the. They've other always, than, like, they've always had collectibles. They, I mean, like cards. I mean, they have like stuffed yep. animals and toys. They do but, cards. Oh, they, they do okay. uh, park releases. Uh, they used to have their own TCG printed by Disney. Mm -hmm. I had no idea. Special event. It was really cool. It was like interactive in the park. It would um, trigger different animatronics, and you'd have like real life leveling rpg style but you have like a physical card so yeah. um they That's killed awesome. it with the pandemic right because people weren't going to the parks and now there's <laughs> lorcano so, yeah well, i mean Lur listen I, yeah lorcano is a different company technically there's right? a their their yeah, whole collection is their whole collection is just called disneyana it's like it's like a whole like subsection of collecting in itself it's pretty it's it's a it's a rabbit hole man Apparently, I need to get back down to Disney World because I, I will admit I have not been lately and I need to get back down there, apparently. Oh, yeah. Pins, limited edition pins. I got a Luke Skywalker printed to a thousand. I thought that was pretty low printing for a pin. <laughs> that is actually it's pretty low printing for a pin, you know? I don't know. I, I tried the pins for a second. It didn't. It, I had to stop because I was like, this is too much, too much time and money and effort for me. Well, I also did a finance at Disney World for two years. So everything was very cost effective for me. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. <laughs> oh, my That's gosh. Awesome. Well, man, thank you again. I know you're a very busy guy and everything you do in and around the hobby. But we uh, we talked about it a little prior, but our biggest goal is to find out, like, how you got here. Obviously, you're in analytics. You're, you, 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 do, you do a lot of numbers, you know, for us in the hobby. But what got you into collecting in general as i know it's not just cards it's a lot of different things for you so wh where'd you start where did this come from yeah so a uh, collecting journey young kid growing up in brooklyn uh really more of like the comic side non-sports cards um here and now and then i'd have you know basketball cards you know brooklyn's the mecca for basketball so Knicks fan, Jets fan, Yankees fan. Um, my collecting habits as a kid, glad they didn't quite translate to an adult. Because <laughs> I'm talking like I don't, I wouldn't collect anybody Patriots, nobody Bulls. <laughs> you know, like that was the part of my childhood. Not really makes sense from an ROI standpoint. But uh, <laughs> father was a big collector. So he would be letting his five boys uh open up base set pokemon at the time so you kind of get the date period there uh just ripping for the chases uh he would take us to not only card shows but comic cons so i've been going to comic cons since i think i was four is when i met stanley 
Oh, wow. So, yeah. Pretty uh, ambitious four-year-old when I met him, told him I was going to work for him someday. Didn't, didn't quite work out, but. <laughs> Super jealous you got to meet him, though. That's awesome. Yeah. Kind of went the complete opposite route, you know, artwork, analytics. <laughs> Different mindset, maybe a little bit. And then it just, uh, you know, moved to Florida, closer to Disney, started really collecting Disney, Disney heavy on, uh, trading cards still, you know, it was more limited to like, okay, I got a paycheck coming, let me bring in like a box, whatever. Uh, there was a time where I was buying a prism uh, or Zingus year, just getting a hobby box every time paycheck would come in. And I was like, okay, let me start buying Pokemon again. Then I started building up uh, evolutions. And for my now wife, but girlfriend at the time, you know, we were playing the TCG together and I built her a um, Charizard evolutions deck. <laughs> and then obviously when everything blew up for that short period of time, I was like, oh, honey, you had a thousand dollar deck you were rolling with this we're gonna time. sell this we're gonna go ahead and sell yeah. this one it's it's time we've hit the we, we we've hit, we we got what we were waiting for <laughs> and like we graded most of her deck and they gemmed a lot of them which Amazing. is surprising but that's a bigger statement about grading <laughs> how subjective it really is but yeah so now it's um really just collecting whatever my kids really get into um my son's named Luke after Luke Skywalker. Daughter's named Natasha after Black Widow. So we have a Black Widow PC, Luke Skywalker PC. Ooh, they got into Spidey and his amazing friends on Disney Plus. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Disney Junior. <laughs> really, a uh, daughter got into Ghost Spider. So we okay. knew Spider Gwen as Ghost Spider first. So it's like a Ghost Spider, Spider Gwen collection. You'll see it all posted on Instagram, all the individuals. Um, and it, I see you post a good amount of Nintendo too, though. You seem to be big yeah. in that world. Yeah. Son is obsessed with Mario at this point. <laughs> uh, my wife really likes Yoshi, so there's a Yoshi PC. Uh, yeah, he picked up Mario and just like that, it's like, okay, here's like fun little things he'll want to open yet. Uh, they're just now getting into sports. Uh, they're still not quite understanding that they can root for the Jets, Yankees, and Knicks at the same time. <laughs> and my daughter will think the Jets are her team. Like, hey, the Knicks are on. Let's go watch them. And she's like, oh, well, when's my team on? Like, uh, they're like, also your team yeah different buckets but it's fine it's fine we'll figure it yeah, out so we haven't been ripping much sports together lately we ripped uh space jam upper deck nice you know, the, they know space I, jam i did so get the, one box of that when it came out the, the yes. new new space jam or the older or the first series the, the new one yeah yeah the new ones are fun they're especially since the price dropped on them to to run through them and get some of those lithographs and I mean, there's a possible LeBron auto floating around at a very, you know, low, low ridiculous rate of getting... odds on it. Yeah, ridiculous odds. But... <laughs> thanks, upper deck. Yeah, yeah. Thanks for the five autos of LeBron James upper deck. <laughs> but you got tons of Yosemite Sam. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Don't worry, we got time. We got him. There's a there's a piece of a court maybe that you can get to from the movie. I definitely uh, ran into one of those issues after ripping that box where I held all these cards up and I was like, I have no idea what to do with some of these. <laughs> <laughs> I think I really just don't know. 
Like that's <laughs> the um I like to joke about non-sports where it's uh and I heavily collect non-sports, but it's low low risk, low reward. <laughs> they're cheap for a reason, everyone. <laughs> Sometimes no reward. You just you just enjoy them and you just go with it. Yeah, it's it's very good. Um that you obviously, you know, seeing you on social media and seeing like a lot of your posts that basically deal in the world of like, you know, what things are doing nowadays, you know, with you know how say resale of things and like you said, low risk, low reward, but a lot of people nowadays are doing high risk. Low, low reward on a lot of stuff still living in 2020 2021 but um how are you seeing your your evolution of like your social media posts are you seeing like a change over the last three years have you gone like were you in one section that you've and you've kind of gone to another since the market's changed how has that been for you yeah so um when i first started the page about like five years ago you know it was all comic cons and i was very like brand heavy focused like i was obsessed almost with like oh this would be really funny if i do like technical write-ups when i'm making recipes <laughs> i even uh commissioned an artist to like hey do me like a technical recipe build for a pancake breakfast <laughs> and so <laughs> my website's actually named uh pancakebreakfaststats.com <laughs> i'm not changing the site i just think it's always comical to say that comic cons you know it's a good transition point and like oh i have the most ridiculous website name people yeah. will forget it at that point but then like i was getting really low engagement <laughs> and it was like obviously thinking like okay well you know comic cons are fun the presentations are fun you know how do i make ig a little bit more fun and just get what people need to hear so started doing like more memes uh, reels once that became a thing really started focusing more on like data visualization and just if i'm going to show a card let me try to like play with the background or play with some music and sound effects where it's like okay i know why tom bought that card like for instance one of my most recent pickups um, if you get into gaming cards it's almost impossible to do it like u.s english cards like yeah. video game cards like the best mario cards are japanese so i picked up a japanese card that is the final battle of n64 mario so you got bowser by the tail and you're spinning they made a lanticular card of that <laughs> so it's like okay let me pair it up with like the battle noise of that level that fight scene and as much of like you're floating on lava as i can as opposed to like, <laughs> here it is laid against my keyboard. And if you look at some of the earlier posts, like mail days used to be laid against the keyboard. I was obsessed <laughs> with like, I have to show them I actually own the card. It, it's so funny because we talk about this all the time, the evolution of content where I feel like so many of us who are more active on social media, that's how a lot of us started. I think it was just showing the card and trying to just continue to find ways to make it look better and better and better and then we start playing with reels and then some audio and then sure enough now you're talking about creating fight scenes out of cards yeah and then even with the analytics posts so the monthly forecast that i update old winter's model i started getting some questions around like oh do you know like what the causation of like why is it predicting up or down 
So I challenged myself, okay, let me at least try to narrow it down to three items. So now with those posts, you'll see like, okay, the top items that are affecting the outcome of the forecast. Doesn't mean they're like, hey, really going upwards or downwards, but they're just traded most often. So just by proportion and sizing, like, hey, guess what? You know, Luca Prism dropped. That's probably driving the whole basket forecast. <laughs> but normally yeah. I would have just like, eh, causation, I don't deal with that. <laughs> yeah. Oh, it's interesting because we talked about a little prior was like the funny thing that I found. I was always curious, like how it affects you is there's always something going on in the hobby, some new social media content person that gets like some rash for something, whether whether it's, you know, warranted or not. But like, how do you deal with that nowadays? Because I feel like you are a collector. So it's not coming from you're not giving this information from a bad place. You're just giving the information so people can make a more you know, I feel like uh, a, a more, you know, informed decision on purchasing things. But so how do you deal with that new world of like, I'm sure you're getting DMs at this point, negative or positive, right? Yeah. I mean, the turning point for me was at Tampa Bay Comic Con. I think it's two years at this point. Yeah. In a Q&A session, I did my first ever like, okay, let me show off like the collectibles type of forecast to the Comic-Con crowd. And someone in the crowd in Q&A asked just a general question. And they started off saying, hey, I saw in a reel this Star Wars card. Like, should I be collecting it? And like, I stopped them halfway through it because I know who the reel was from. <laughs> You know, anyone who's going into Star Wars from a reel, it was obviously, you know, the 15K sale. And I really had to challenge myself, like, okay, how do I articulate it in a way where, like, my own bias <laughs> doesn't come into play? You know, because everyone's fighting for content, views, likes. You know, people make the argument sometimes negativity drives more of it versus positivity. A lot of it is really just SEO searches. Instagram <laughs> works like that as well. Music background. But what the turning point was like, really try to separate the person from what they're showing. Because if you looked at somebody's posts over time, evolution, you know, somebody could easily look at like an earlier post of mine where it's like just an image of like, this is going into the analysis versus the Homer Simpson meme that I do <laughs> occasionally and be like, whoa, what happened? You know, yeah. but it's not, don't say anything on me. It's just trying to get more people involved in the conversation. So. It, it's a very smart, those posts are very smart. And I actually look forward to them. Anytime I see something that's inundated in my, my feed, you know, I've seen them like you're, it wasn't, you didn't do it for the arena club situation, but you did something very funny recently for the arena club situation that was, you know, obviously, what is gearing more towards what the algorithm will have the viewers go for but i i love it i think for me i all my content is in jest it's very funny it's either self-deprecating or you know i'm making fun of other things but i i like that type of content it's what really drove me to yours in general which has been like great arena club's a good example like i have to put myself in check and try to remove Derek jeter 
in my Yankee fandom from what Arena Club is, right? <laughs> right. I just have an own inherent <laughs> built-in bias there. But well, I was see, able I... to do a criticism. So, and that's a good, good. So that, this is a perfect question for you then. So do you find it that even though you you are very analytical, that sometimes you find it hard to remove yourself from the fan Tom and and then, you know, the analytical Tom, do you find that it's still like you might just be purchasing something or ripping a box just out of pure fandom, even though, you know, in the end, like the likelihood of me getting anything good out of this is zero. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it happens all the time. Like uh, we went in on I think it was two cases of Into the Spider-Verse. Yeah, it's like I wanted my daughter to have that moment of like, OK, can we get the Haley Steinfield auto? <laughs> Like I know how Upper Deck does their odds and you know, there are characters that are short printed, super short printed, autos now switch to it's like multi-case hits. Yeah. <laughs> but I mean she pulled some really fun ghost spider inserts that she got excited about, you know, screaming that it's an ultra rare, you know. <laughs> just because I guess she hears me when I'm like opening TCG. But yeah. you know, it's just that's always happens but it goes back to the point like you know it's collecting it's hobbyists it's you know don't let it's gonna be weird the analytics guy saying this like analysis paralysis happen <laughs> so analysis paralysis normally applied to like okay you don't trust the data enough or you don't trust your sources that you can't do analysis you can also apply it to like decision making <laughs> yeah like, don't let analysis prevent you from having fun. You know, take the risk. It's funny you say that. All, I say that all the time to my my family is I, I call it analysis. I saw it called paralysis by analysis. And I tell them that all the time when I see them just like not making a decision. I'm like, you're overthinking it. You have paralysis by analysis. Just just go for it. Like, you're, you'll find the outcome after you made the decision one way or another. So I love that. That's great. <laughs> well, I think... Um, Ahead, I was gonna say real quick too. I I think the area that's that's kind of um, intriguing too with your content as you think about that evolution we we're talking about was the fact that you are like you're not taking yourself too seriously. And I think that's one thing we've seen kind of in the hobby. I feel like over the past eighteen months has been there are some very charged up personalities. And I think just a question for you is how do you kind of I, I guess kind of I don't know follow that line where you're kind of hovering between hey here's some great analysis but also too let's not take ourselves too seriously. You mentioned the arena club post, which, it, which I, I will say, by the way, that was funny. All three of us had some, I thought funny posts that day. I'll just throw that out there. But um, you know, how do you kind of follow that line or kind of balance that, that line as you kind of think about your role in the hobby and the type of content you're creating? Yeah. I mean, earlier on, I used to get very upset. <laughs> like so many things would just tick me off. Just pet peeve. Uh, there was, I won't mention like their name, but sure. there was a collector in Australia who was doing like analysis type posts. But like the approaches were wrong. Just data source was questionable. You know, they were always referencing like private sales. Mm -hmm. And then just the out the gate, you could tell the calculation was wrong just by what they were showing. And then they would always lead it off with, guess what? Next post is they're doing a box break <laughs> of that, <laughs> like what they're tracking. Yeah. 
you know, and it's just like through education, anyone who's getting into data, they always coach you on <laughs> in school is like, you're going to run into situations where, you know, it's data manipulation, data governance, like as an analyst, you have to make sure you're technically sound above. Yeah. <laughs> and there's a lot of stuff like that. Social media, it's not technically sound. Now, given it, there's not many people with my skill set and background experience that are getting into it because they'll tell you it's really not worth their time. <laughs> you know, they want to just enjoy collecting if they're already part of it. But, yeah. Are there areas you feel like are the, or what, let me rephrase, where do you think the biggest gaps of data are in the hobby? Kind of curious to hear, like, where do you feel like if we yep. had better information, we could yeah. be making different decisions? Yeah. From a sales standpoint, you don't have international sales, or at least it's hard to get. You know, you can make the argument that it's, I know, like, it's not the argument, it's a fact. It's at least 70% of sales come international. Yeah. Right. And you'll all of a sudden you'll see all these accounts from, say, Asia, or like, ooh, it's like this whale collector because the hobby is huge <laughs> in those countries. Like, you'll see, who was the latest that did like a Japanese tour? I think it was Jeff Wilson. And he's mm -hmm. like showing off all, wow, look how everything's priced in these shops and everything's available. Like, okay, well, you know, market movers doesn't have that data. <laughs> yeah. You know, like you're really, we're making all these assumptions on a very tiny like subset. Yeah. Now, Are you sick of the hype beast breaker boys? Would you rather talk about sports cards with trusted, respectful sports card stores and dealers from around the U.S.? Well, Loop is the answer. Loop is an online marketplace where you can buy sports cards no matter how you collect. Personal packs and boxes, dollar auctions, group breaks, singles and slab sales, and much more. All of it on one app called Loop. Go try Loop on iPhone, Android, and the web. And the best part is, is you get 10 bucks if you use the stock and trade link to sign up. Find the link in the description of this episode that'll take you directly to the app. So check out Loop. We guarantee you won't be disappointed. There's still a lot we can do with that tiny subset. Like there is things that I would call like quality of life ads you can do through analytics. Mm -hmm. Like everyone's always jumped to like analytics and sales or try to get me to sell something. Well, you know, what you could do is there's features where it's upload your your collection. You could actually do some modeling and kind of do like a Netflix recommendation model to where it's like, hey, collectors like you also collect this. Like help people find gaps. We're not doing that <laughs> currently. Everything is just like, oh, something's up 5%. Oh, something's down double yeah. <laughs> since the pandemic. It's uh, yeah. I mean, crazy. Those are the ones that I get frustrated more than anything. I'm not even very analytical. Is like I see these posts come across that I'm that is like how much something's down from 2020, and I'm like, why are we even like taking this outlier year and a half, two years anymore as data? Like this is not data. This is just like you either sold or you didn't. Like <laughs> I think we should just cut those years out. Do you, do you feel the same way about that time period at this point? Or so I mean, you can learn a lot from it. Sure. Um, Kind of like your gut feeling and think of whenever you see a post that highlights like the appreciation, like it's not doing that calculation right either. 
Yeah. Like what you want to do is like compound it over time. So, but at the same time, you know, they're applying it off of that bad year. Yeah. I mean, how I do it in the day job and speak to clients about that is you always want to talk to, okay, what was it like before? Where are we trending like pre post pandemic? Because that period wasn't always wonky data for the hobby. It was wonky data for everyone. Like pretty much, you know, it's raining cats and dogs up, up is down. Uh, companies like Best Buy, it was their best time ever because yeah. everyone's upgrading their home office. <laughs> yeah. Now, probably shouldn't be decisioning 2024, 2025 off of those numbers. But you do want to understand like, okay, are we back to pre or post? Yeah. Unfortunately, like it's an event that happened. <laughs> and and based off your anical, uh, your analysis over the past like year-ish or so, like how do you feel the hobby will be moving into the future? Do you feel like we're going to still see, you know, the market continue to decrease? Or are you seeing, I mean, I've seen your numbers on Star Wars. All of a sudden, Star Wars numbers are shooting through the roof at least comparatively to how things have gone. Like, how do you see the future of the hobby going? Yeah, I mean, I think every IP brand sections go through the same cycle. Sure. Um, if you want to get like inside information on like, okay, what's going to happen? Look at basketball. And the concept is it's reverting to the mean. So that's where you make the case for, okay, just throw out 2020 through 2022 and if you just look at any of them, it's like, okay, like it's a steady growth, you know, but to us, it's going to look like a decline. It's going to be flat for a little bit, but what it should really be telling you is that, okay, what's truly collectible. What's, and I hate to say it like investable, <laughs> you know, it's cardboard, whatever, yeah. <laughs> you know, go, go buy stocks instead. Yeah, yeah, you... <laughs> Something that'll pay dividends to you. Yeah. You know? <laughs> Something I don't have to watch and just sell at the exact right time for me to make my max amount of money. <laughs> yeah. But if it's like, okay, give me like a straight answer, you're probably seeing a decline for like another two years. It'll take to get back to it. Nice. Not yeah. everything's rapidly declining at the same rate. I mean, oh. probably the one that's most comical is Marvel cards. It's a, if you look at it, it's, I don't know, it's like a bell graph almost. <laughs> <laughs> that that to me was the most incredible because for me that's actually the the very first card i started collecting when i was a kid was the very first marvel set and i loved it had the whole set multiple times over just because how many packs i opened as a kid and those to me seeming seem like those are the ones that should have not had i mean granted they had the the incredulous spike they had but shouldn't have the necessarily bell curve like you said just because of the artwork that's involved like the the ip itself is still crazy it's just it's one of those things do you think that that you know spike that happened is just obviously the reason for all the pullback people are just kind of done with the idea of it type thing for now for cards wise i mean when it comes to impel and anything from that time period like there's some cannibalization that goes on it is really like the source material is still very attainable yeah <laughs> Right. And comic prices keep coming down more and more. And you get into a conversation of like, okay, do I want 90 MU? Even that set had what, like three versions of Spider Man? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Cosmic, Black Suit, 
and then there's that whole subset he's interviewing other characters <laughs> that's or right. you know do i try to go for a key issue right like a key issue is pretty obtaining you know we're not talking like amazing 15 yeah. <laughs> at all <laughs> you know you can get get a piece of it cut into a card <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh my god it's still like it's a good um entry set you know, there's still yeah. some that truly believe because they got that nostalgia that you have too, where it's like, oh, now's the time to let me try to do a complete PSA 10 set. Yeah. Like that's very affordable too now, but okay, who's the buyer on that <laughs> if that's your goal? Like that's the thing. I I for me, I believe I like this pullback, and I've said it before on this podcast, is because as a collector. And I, I collect a lot of things, not necessarily just to I set resell stuff, but just to have it is now things are a lot more attainable. Like I don't have to break the bank to go get a couple Marvel cards that I've been seeking for because I refuse to buy them when they were they had, you know, 20 X, you know, over time. But do you find yourself like collecting more things just for yourself now that the pullback has happened over the last year? Yeah, I mean, I've always been collecting for myself. So it's a little interesting. Uh I mean, I sell on eBay as well, too. Just pieces where it's like, okay, this doesn't really make sense anymore. Yeah. Like, oh, kids don't like Spider-Woman. So I'm so acquisitive of it. But I've never, like, bought something with the intent of, like, okay, let me try to flip it. And I sure, understand, yeah. like, that's also part of the fun is people who do that. Like, you know, hey, prospecting on QBs or pretty much all of baseball collecting is – that's what baseball collecting is is just prospecting <laughs> i'm convinced you know at least like sometimes you know like ooh, at least i have to make a five-year commitment to someone yeah know? wait for them to get called up have their moment yeah but it's never been like okay let me rush and try to be first to market on that um, yeah yeah best thing I mean, my best... favorite marvel card i got is the stan lee on card auto that i Ugh. oh pack bolt <laughs> one day myself so Oh really? Uh, yeah, it was in a Spider-Man three, the movie set. <laughs> oh my gosh, that's you get, amazing! You get two autographs per box. My first autograph had me like pretty bummed. I got the violinist. <laughs> You're like great Spider-Man theme. What am I gonna do with this? <laughs> you know, like, and then it's like, uh, come on, Tom, non-sports order. I was, what are you doing? What are you doing? And then like, <laughs> just hand just kept shaking. It's like, oh man, I probably damaged it because I think it graded like an eight. <laughs> And like a 10 on the auto. It's I, I love it. I mean, my favorite card still, and it isn't really worth a whole heck of a lot. It's just still my gemmed, you know, Stan Lee card from the first Marvel set. Like yeah. loved it. Loved the incorporation Mr. of all the Marvel. And yeah, stuff. it was great. It was, that's still one of my favorites. It's not going anywhere. But uh, for so for you, I know it may be hard because I've seen your post. One of the top, one or two top things in your collection right now for you. Yeah. Ooh. So this would be number one, but I'm not there yet. Uh, Marvel Allure, the set that just came out. I almost got the whole rainbow of Black Widow Iron Man 2. Uh, so her like poser move. <laughs> so uh, I missed out on, I want to say it was a pink, so blaster exclusive to 23. Yeah. Okay. Just out of my price range when it came up for auction 
I, I'm a huge, I think you, this is how you and I connected maybe on Instagram was I am also a huge fan of that set. And I, I've got a handful of the star Lord cards numbered yeah. and I love how affordable, I think I've got a handful of, of the, of like 25 of 50 and they're all very reasonably priced cards. It's not an expensive set, but the parallels are great in it. Got some great color. Um, I feel like it was really underhyped. I feel like more people should be talking about it. Yeah. I mean, they pick great photo images. Like usually yeah. the, the stigma with any MCU set is like, great, it's going to be a screen grab card. And yeah, you know, do I even care about that scene. But this one, like they framed everything nice and mm-hmm. tried to find the moments. But um, my current top set that I have. So the Black Widow and Allure would be number one if I complete the rainbow. But I have a EPAC exclusive. It's a Relics. So man-made infinity stones. They only made 12 of them. So <laughs> I have the complete set. Oh man. That's yeah, it's a amazing. crazy story. Like it popped up on eBay. I wanted 3K. And I was budgeting for it. You know, thinking about like, okay, when can I pull the trigger? When I finally made room for it in the budget, like almost two years later, it sold. I was like, oh man. And then it got relisted. Like within a week, so it's like wait, so it hadn't actually sold, or that like a non non pay. Oh man, that's always nice. And I reached out to him, like got his name on EPAC as well. Oh, we chat back and forth time and time. He's got the um, so you could actually turn those in and get a single card. So he has the redemption piece too, which is uh, Thanos holding the gauntlet with all the man made stones in it. That's amazing. Uh, he's got two of them, but he won't sell me one. <laughs> <laughs> but he'll tell me like every once in a while, like, hey, just let you know, I sold another one of the six sets at the same price I got for you. And just like, oh, yeah, thanks. He's like, yeah, I'm just trying to protect your value. And it's like, no, oh, like, it's, it's, <laughs> I mean, it's nice, but <laughs> it's here. like, I got a whole display. Like, if I take down the background, it's got a, the Legends Infinity Gauntlet and all the cards are around it. Oh, that's so, awesome. So it's like, no, it's it's staying here. Yeah, ain't going anywhere. I wish more people would uh, send me messages to tell me they're protecting my investments. Yeah, right. Uh, just to let you know, I didn't sell anything on purpose because it's, uh, yeah, I'm well, trying to help you out. You'll be Thanks, surprised man. how many Star-Lord DMs you'll get now. Yeah, <laughs> I'm sure. Oh, you need more Star-Lords? Uh, let, me, let me tell you something. <laughs> yeah, like I'm always getting somebody will show me like, oh, hey, I got this Black Widow. I want to give you a chance first. And it's, <laughs> you know, I look at it if I need it, if I don't. Yeah. But then it's like, no, I can go to another collector. That's part of the perk about like just putting yourself out there. Yeah. Amazing. You know, you as a super collector. Oh man. Well, and th- and for I know you talked we we chatted originally cuz I'm a huge Disney Disneyland fan and I know you are too. How did was that something was a childhood thing or did you become like a Disney adult later in life like or how, how did that even manifest itself for you? Oh, it was child childhood. Yeah. Um ooh, like I wanted to be an animator. Uh so bachelor's degree, I went to UCF and the plan was to go into cell animation. Um, my freshman year, they canceled the program that I got accepted into because uh-huh. they were making the push to computer art, Pixar. Yeah, yeah. yeah. 
Uh, but like UCF boasted, they had like a hundred percent placement with Disney. And then it's like, oops. <laughs> sorry, <laughs> sorry, sorry. It doesn't exist anymore. <laughs> yeah. So the focus was there, like um, you know, just learning how to sketch really quick. Like, you know, one of the best collectibles I have is a Will Eisner how to draw book autographed by Will Eisner. Maybe. So it, Disney's actually tried to buy it back a couple of times. Really? The book is from the 80s. So it's like, I don't know. I've never read the book, you know, because I have it like in the original packaging and sealed. Like, are they trying to buy it because like there's not much stuff of Will Eisner? Or is there something they don't want people like seeing in the book? You know, like comics by Disney back in that time. Something tells me, tells me, tells me it might be the latter, but <laughs> a little, little out there. Yeah, Disney was always um a thing, uh, growing up. Then when I moved closer to the area, you know, pass holder, you know, wasn't a Disney adult situation. It was just a Disney yeah. all the time. That's how and then they that's happened how... to buy Marvel and Star Wars, and <laughs> well, so I was, you know, like I don't like those because they're Disney. I like them separately. Yeah. <laughs> At first, I was kind of like upset, like, oh, it's gonna happen. <laughs> <laughs> the Disney version of, I don't know, Venom would not be good. <laughs> yeah, right. It's, so far, I'm I'm not too disappointed. But yeah, I was the same way. I grew up Disney Disney yeah. kid. It's all Disneyland for me though, because I was on the West Coast, but. Now I'm in LA, so you know we're going again next week again, and my kids are slowly but surely evolving into Disney fans and Disneyland fans. So it's it's a funny world, but yeah, it's uh yeah, if you we did a Disneyland for the honeymoon and uh, we timed it for like October, mm, so nice. we could see the Nightmare Before Christmas house. Yeah, <laughs> like, that's cool. Like yeah. the little perks you guys get all the time. It's so it's so funny. As a kid, I was always so jealous of Disney World because it was so so much bigger, had so much stuff. But then everyone I knew from like the East Coast was always like, "Oh, you guys always get these little these little cool things that happen at the Disneyland park." And it's like it's always this back and forth, which is very funny to me. What's crazy is I've actually never been to Disneyland, and I feel like I need to do that when I come out to LA. Oh, for sure. Yeah, I listen whenever I travel anywhere. There's a park. I make sure like I. This is a really funny quick story. We were going, my wife and I were going to Bali uh, early on in our relationship. We had a layover for 12 hours in Shanghai. She was exhausted. I drug her to Shanghai Disneyland because it's 45 minutes away from the airport by car. And I was like, we are going. I was like, there's no way I'm not going to this park. So like, uh, it's same thing. I was in, I was in Paris. My friends were going to the Louvre one day and I was like, well, I'm going to Disneyland. So you Disney. guys go. So it's like, that's my life, you know? Well, it's all right. They're we, doing the same thing outside of the Louvre as you're doing in Disneyland. They're just yeah, taking which, photos which one is, now. Which one is Super Mario World? Isn't that like the new one somewhere? It's Universal Studios. Universal. Universal. I want to go check that out. I definitely was like a Mario yeah. guy growing up. Yeah. yeah. Florida's not getting their version till 2025. Yeah. So sad. Oh. It's really great. You guys will really enjoy it. The one over here is pretty crazy how immersive they they did their they did their stuff with it but at least we'll we launch with donkey kong as well so i saw that post you were the you broke that news to me on your post i was like well this is happening i was like this is crazy we're doing like some new ride technology to like simulate you getting shot out of barrels that sounds horrifying (laughs) and awesome at the same time sign me up 
Is it the spinning one where you have to like hit the button at the right time or you get like launched off the screen? <laughs> oh man, I don't know how immersive they're doing it, but uh yeah. I just I know there's like an interactive app, right? You can play and earn coins and uh yeah, yeah, like util- can, utilization. Little... I wish cards had a little bit yeah. more. We have the watch. Yeah, I yeah, <laughs> I wish there was some more interactiveness and, and, and event space around it. Um but yeah, man, as we wrap up, because I know you, you you were a little bit of a time crunch here. I just want to say like thank you for everything that you do, honestly, because I know it's like your daily job, it seems like. But the information that you give out as a true collector is super, super uh, informative for me. And it works. It's it's helped me purchase some things just as a collector that I'm like, oh, this is fun, whether it's, you know, from a, I'm going to hold on to this for a while standpoint or just a this is an awesome collectible that I really, really want to look for right now. So especially I, I, in space. I, I think there's a an education gap in the hobby in general, and there's not a lot of great places you can get information like this. And I think you really have become kind of a beacon in the space and, you know, you're incredibly accessible through Instagram. So I appreciate you being here. Yeah. yeah. I think that surprises a lot of people. It's like, okay, if I see a DM, I'll answer. <laughs> yeah. I was I honestly I was very surprised the first time you answered my DMs. I was like, yeah, I'm surprised anyone answers my DMs. So I appreciate both of you being here. <laughs> uh, yeah. So, so Tom, um, obviously, you know, where can people find you? You also have, you know, you do a lot of, you know, live events where you go to. Where 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 can people find you at and and try and reach out to you? Yeah, I mean, we're finalizing the live schedule for 2024. Uh, right now, it's looking like uh, Pensacola, Florida, New Orleans, Louisiana, um, either Dallas or Boston. Those will all be Comic-Con events. Nice. Uh, and then I'm guessing probably the National again. Um, that was a fun experience. Uh, I was there on behalf of CGC. Did okay. a couple of presentations for them. But so maybe maybe we'll run it back. Maybe we won't. <laughs> yeah, they <laughs> they gave me the option of the national or uh, New York Comic Con last year, and I chose the national. <laughs> maybe I do New York this year. <laughs> yeah. Well, if you're, but if Instagram you're... at Pancake Analytics, YouTube. I don't make many videos, but when I have there. the free time. <laughs> it's well, man, like, I... I appreciate it. This has been uh, just as, as fun as I thought it was going to be. And if you're at the national this year, Mac and I will be there. So hopefully we'll get a chance to at least say hello in, in person and, and shake a hand. Yeah. See you guys then. All right, man. Thanks again. I appreciate it. Appreciate you. You. Um.